Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. What up there, my favorite COVID Canuck? <laughs> uh, not much. Here. Um, All yeah. better? Everybody survived COVID, uh, sent the kid back to school, and he immediately came home with a stomach flu. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so that's good times. Great. It's been a long week, but uh, back in school now, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, by all accounts, it's not going well up here. Um, they're doing the wastewater testing and all that, and we're going through Oop. a sixth wave, and COVID cases are rising again, and yeah, who knows? I don't know what's going on. I know my kids' class is normally 26, and there have been 12 to 13 kids in class oh wow <laughs> so all kinds of things are going on just normal illnesses because uh decreased mask wearing and increased covid and whatever we'll see okay things are going down here i don't know what you guys are doing wrong yeah i don't know we're rocking it i think maybe maybe we've been hit by the latest new variant first so we'll see what happens okay well all of this covid talk got me to a point which was uh i, I was tired of being home mm -hmm. through this whole thing and I talked on the previous episode. I'm like, I'm going to get a warehouse and we're going to start a company and all this stuff. Remember that? Yeah. And I thought you were yep. crazy. Yep. yep. Everybody did. It was a dumb idea. Uh, so I ended up getting a uh, WeWork style co-working office. Please tell me you did not go with WeWork. Oh, hell no. I didn't go with WeWork. What do you think I am? <laughs> no, no. I went with Spaces. Okay. You know, another generic name. But uh, I got I, I've been moving in all week and uh, we're record, starting to record a little late this morning because I kept taking everything over. And what I did take was the my home interface. Right. So I'm setting up this morning. I'm just like, oh, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so I had to go get that set it up. Now I'm I, I have no keyboard. Everything is uh, jury rigged as much as one jury can rig something at this point just to get the show going but i gotta say it's interesting being back in an office post covid and post working from home for a very long time it's nice to know that fluorescent lights still suck yeah they're horrible i mean you sent me pictures it's it looks beautiful i i would argue uh well i mean yes technically you are in an office in that you have some i guess shared space where you would go get water or something to that nature but really you're in a big room locked in by yourself adjacent to other people right which is perfect <laughs> yes that's exactly what we're looking for here i am not recording from there because the walls turned out to be paper thin and i can hear everybody which is fine they can hear all my my shows being edited that's fine too mm -hmm. but i met some of the people we do have you know we keep the doors open when we don't need them closed and uh everybody seems to be pretty nice some people keep to themselves usually like me but uh, other people are very gregarious it is in calabasas mm -hmm. so so you're sharing it, sharing a space with Kanye? He's, his office is less than a mile away. <laughs> I shit you not. I am in the belly of the beast. I have, yeah. I have moved to Kardashian land. So no celebrity sightings yet. But I'm sure uh, when I go down to the commons for lunch today, there, there will probably be some walking around. Right. It's just the way, way it is. You, yep. you, you pay for placement, I guess. I suppose. But, yeah. So moving in has been just a bear. It's mm -hmm. it's really not fun. I do I going to places where you know it, it, the people have been going for a long time. People assume that everybody knows how everything works. So I get there and I'm trying to figure things out. The Wi-Fi was undecipherable. I cannot figure out the light switch. The light switch is going to turn into a comedy bit, a la the fax machine or the printer from uh, Office Space, because I cannot get this damn thing to work. I am sitting there pushing. I, it, it's it's Austin Powers and the guy in the in the golf cart at this point. It is that bad. Yeah. I'm just like, uh, look, I work, I work for a company with 20 some odd people in it. Right. And I've been going into that office for over six months now on and off. And some days when I show up, the coffee machine is the power is not. And I can't for the life of me figure out how to get the power on the coffee machine on. I've looked, I've, I've fiddled, <laughs> I've flipped switches. It just doesn't go Brian, on. There's an app for that. Well, I, I just go sit down and put my head down and do some work. And eventually somebody else will come in and I'll hear this somebody making coffee. And I'm like, oh, OK, Whew, somebody's turned it on again. And the same thing with the Wi-Fi. I had no idea what the Wi-Fi password was. It wasn't in any kind of manual. I didn't know, you know, whatever. <laughs> Intake has gone uh, downhill much the same way that most other things have in, in the world. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like um, I have I have an Internet of Coffee machine at my office too, and I still I can't figure out for the life of me how to, how that works too because I pay for it for unlimited coffee and tea, but right. I can't figure out how to do that yet. <laughs> So I got to go find somebody, <laughs> hunt somebody down because the Wi-Fi is crazy. Everything is like automated now. It is the way getting an office should be. I went in. I met with one person. I got the tour. Then everything mm-hmm. else was electronic. There's an right. app, which is one of the most horribly designed apps, which is why I couldn't get on the Wi-Fi for half an hour. We'll talk about UX design flaws. <laughs> oh, my God. But I figured it out. It works. Got on the Wi-Fi. All of my contracts are through the website. I can right. uh, upgrade or downgrade or cancel all on the website. It's great. I love it. Yeah, until you need to talk to someone. But then they're right down the hall. I just okay. walk over and there's three people on staff at all times. And I'm like, what do these people do all day? Now I know. <laughs> Answer stupid questions from stupid people like me. They get you your coffee. But it's uh, it's interesting. I got to say that. It is definitely interesting. And kudos to everybody like you and even my roommate who started an office in the middle of COVID. I would have had a panic attack every time I stepped in the door. I'm trying not to now. Right. You know, <laughs> just being around people again is weird. It's weird. Yeah. It, when I first started, it was strange. I'm pretty used to it now. So, yeah, I'm hoping it's, a, I mean, it's been less than a week. So, yeah. uh, it's actually been a week today. So we'll see how it goes. Cool. I don't know. I, I worked for five hours yesterday and I got more done than I have in the past month. So I'm guessing it's probably at least for <laughs> output. It is going to be a game changer. But well, there's something there's something to be said for not being at, at your home. You you don't have the distractions; they're just not there. And if you start to think about those distractions, and you start to think about the personal things that you've got to get uh, done in your own life, and you're in your office and you can't do those things, you will burn through the work. So you can go ahead and go ahead, and get home and take care of the other things you need to take care of. It's I know work life separation. Like... I I don't understand. So many people's anger about having to go back into an office. I, I really don't. I mean, I yes, I do to a certain extent. Obviously, gas prices are through the roof. Commuting maybe sucks. Commuting sucks. But if you take out those vari- variables, maybe you don't live that far from your office and commuting isn't that bad of a thing. Work-life separation, man. I, I didn't have it for 20 some odd years. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to see that now. I am definitely starting to see that now. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely just a mind fuck to go back after, you know, being locked in for so many years. It's like yeah. not just the two years of COVID that was, I mean, for me, that was fun. It was just like, Oh, everybody's joined the party. Everybody's living like me. Uh, let's get back to some actual news here. we got a lot okay. this week. Facebook. I want to just, I want to get this into follow-up before we get into the bigger Facebook news. A Facebook bug led to increased views of harmful content over six months. Now, of course, the title, let's talk about that. There's a little misinformation in this title because Facebook has led to increased views of harmful content since their inception. Let's just call a spade a spade. Mm-hmm. Now, did you get a chance to dig into this article? I did. What, what's galling about this is this is after they said that they were going to put in all these controls. They were under fire for the misinformation and for <clears throat> for, you know, all over the world, not just the insurrection in the U.S. and not just COVID. And I mean, all kinds of bad, horrible things. Everybody knew bad actors were using Facebook, were gaming Facebook and doing horrible things. And they were under con- constant scrutiny and fire for it. And they came up with this big plan and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and leave us alone and let our stock price go back up because we're going to take care of this problem. And we found out they did fuck all. <laughs> They, they they actually did the opposite. They made it they made worse. It, yeah, they made it materially worse. And they and it was worse for months and they knew it. This is the really messed up part is they knew it and they shrugged and go, I don't know. What are we going to do about it? We we flipped the switch. It, it goes into the box marked algo rhythm, goes in clean, comes out maga. That's what happens. Yep. We don't know yep. why, we don't know how, and they just let it go and then one day it was fixed. <laughs> Uh, they don't describe why or how it was fixed, but I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you want to be self-regulated. Well, self-regulate. Yeah. Let's go. Do it. Yeah. Come on. Pretty simple. Do it. And this is why government has to step in. It just is because they will not do it by themselves. They will say they will do it. They will make big noises and they will roll out programs and they'll tell you exactly what they're going to do. And then we're going to put this black box in here. And then when things go through, it's going to come out clean. And then it doesn't for months and months and months. 
until somebody goes, hang on a second. And then they're like, oh, never mind that. Here we go. Fixed. Fixed now. Yeah. Tight, tighten the screw. And I love this. The engineers first noticed the issue last October when a sudden surge of misinformation began flowing through the news feed. Okay. Well, misinformation, quote unquote, has been going through the news feed, obviously, since the <laughs> beginning. I am sick of this fucking word of misinformation. Can we just go back to saying bullshit? Lies. Bullshit. The sudden surge mm -hmm. of bullshit began following the, through the news or flowing through the news feed. That is truth. Misinformation is just wimpy, wishy-washy buzzwords that doesn't mean yeah. anything. It's like fake news, misinformation, fake news, whatever. It's bullshit. Call it by what it is because it, Facebook is just up to their eyeballs in bullshit on every side, every single side. In the news. Well, and holy shit, I can't believe that just happened news. Amazon finally has their first union. Can you believe That's it? That's huge. That's great. Yep. Yay. The Staten Island warehouse, JFK 8, has, has voted. And uh, it was it was still fairly close, 2654 to 2131. Mm -hmm. So that, that is actually pretty close. But uh, yeah, Chris Smalls, the guy that got, got canned for, you know, banging the drum, he's got a little vindication coming his way since it actually yeah. worked good for them um and and holy shit i can't believe this is happening news from amazon's end <laughs> they have countered <laughs> yes like we better not let this keep happening so they have they have planned to roll out a worker chat app this is uh you know it's supposed to just be you know a good thing good thing for the employees you know well it'll boost happiness and all that sort of thing however they're planning to include a massive blacklist of words that you're not allowed to use on their chat app Okay. Such as union or <laughs> compensation or pay raise or ethics or robots. Oh, what about I got a pee? Yes, this is an app that's supposed to encourage shout outs and offer digital rewards for providing value to the company, thus gamifying work, of course. And of course, making sure that uh, let's not discuss this pesky union thing that's starting to happen. Awesome. I would love to be like someone who studied language and society right now, just to get a, get the logs of this chat app to see Ooh. how people use language to, you know, come up with code words and things like that to get around the blacklist, because that's all they're going to do is they're going to come up with fake words to, you know, go around it. Like, you know, dicks or eggplants with emojis, peaches or butts or whatever else you want to stick. A, yeah, eggplant. I, I mean, I'm sure know. there's going to be something like that. What if I wanted to discuss that seminal Duran Duran album, Union of the Snake? You you beat me to it, you motherfucker. <laughs> I'm like, the union emoji is going to be a snake. That's what they're <laughs> I think we should happens. form a Duran Duran, don't you guys? Man, I really got to take a Simon LeBon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good <sighs> stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, Amazon's getting chat with a blacklist. The rest of us who uh, downloaded Truth Social are getting fuck all. And uh, two of the execs have left. Now, are these fake names because they sound like it? Josh Adams and Billy Boozer. Billy Boozer sounds like a guy I'd like to have a beer with. Yeah, Billy Boozer is like, I, I, I could hang with that guy. And I wonder if it's, you know, because he says Josh Adams. But, you know, I was thinking John Adams because you could have a John Adams with Billy Boozer. Mm -hmm. It's hard to tell if this is fake or real. I don't know. And I wasn't about to go do the do the due diligence to really try that hard because this is somebody who did start Truth Social. Well, uh, you know, the funny thing, it, though, the funny thing about this is, you know, Donald Trump's big shtick has always been, you know, I'm not a politician. I'm going to run. I'm going to run the company or I'm going to run the country like a company, like all my successful companies. Never mind my steaks. Never mind my vodka. Never mind my schools. Never mind my Water, everything because all everything. my stuff fails. <laughs> but I'm going to run it like a company. And what you find out is now he starts a company, Truth Social. And instead of running it like a company, they're running it like politicians because Josh Adams and Billy <laughs> Boozer apparently got booted out because Devin Nunes, the former Republican congressman who came over to become the chief executive of Truth Social or Trump Media and Technology Group, TMTG, uh, is basically doesn't want them ar around and wants to replace them with his own people. Look, this is going to turn into exactly, I think it already has turned into exactly what I said it this was going to be. This is going to be a money-making, fundraising, scam, sham of a fucking company that basically is just going to fill the coffers of these dumb fucks. That's it. Yep. We call them rug pulls nowadays. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to happen. Everybody's going to get their money and then just ski-daddle off. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, let's cast our minds back really quickly, Jason. Do you remember how Facebook kind of got started? Uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, raiding women's faces. In his yeah, he room? scraped a bunch of content from university servers, right? And that's yeah, that's how yeah. he kind of built up his content to start his app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, TikTok, the darling social media company that, uh, never mind the fact that they might run through Chinese servers and all that sort of stuff, but let's not talk about that. Hmm, yeah, they're great, aren't they? They're everything that Facebook isn't. Except, how did they get started? How did they get started, Brian? <laughs> well, they scrape profiles, videos, usernames, and other content from Instagram and other social media platforms in a process that they like to call a growth hack. All right. <laughs> you know, I robbed a liquor store the other day. It wasn't larceny. It was a growth hack. I like to rob banks to growth hack my my personal finances. <laughs> exactly. Now, as the this article points out, this is not illegal in and of itself. You cannot it's not illegal to scrape publicly available data. Many social platforms find creative ways to boost their audience in their early days, such as harvesting external content, creating fake profiles, or mass emailing potential users without them ever signing up for that mailing list. Uh, but uh, there are ten there tend to be terms and conditions, which, of course, Instagram and Snapchat have as such, and violating such contracts can often lead to lawsuits. So I would expect ByteDance is going to be served up quite a few lawsuits in the near future now that this has come to light. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I mean, this is way back for Musical.ly, so I don't even know if they're going to... Can they even prove anything yeah. nowadays? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it's even worth it for them to to fire up the lawyers for that. We'll yep. see. They're too busy doing other things right now. True. I don't. I can't. I can't quite wrap my head around this one. Pinterest bans all climate change misinformation on its platform. Unfortunately, they use the Facebook uh, algorithm, so now there's five times as amount as much <laughs> climate change misinformation on their platform. I know. Yeah. So they're 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 dropping the gauntlet on this. Pinterest believes in cultivating a space that's trusted and truthful for those using our platform. This bold move is an expansion of our broader misinformation guidelines, which we first developed in 2017 to address public health misinformation and have since updated to address new and emerging issues as they come to the forefront. The expanded climate misinformation policy is yet another step in Pinterest's journey to combat misinformation and create a safe space online said Sarah Brahma, Pinterest's head of policy. It's important to have a safe space online to share your copywritten uh, content. Yes, exactly. So mm -hmm. uh, first thing is you're never allowed to call your own actions brave, period. You cannot be brave. You cannot be bold. Someone can say you are being brave or bold, but for you to say that you or yourself are doing a brave or bold action is mm -hmm. uh, it's arrogant. It's uh, really lame. We'll just go with yeah, really but... lame. Okay, I'm with you on that. Yeah, and what would truly be brave is, yes, if they did ban all copyright infringement from their platform. I think yes. that might be might might actually be brave or suicide. You choose. Well, they would no longer have a viable platform that anybody was interested in if they did that. All right, let's get into Twitter corner here. An awful lot has happened with Twitter the last, uh, last week or so. Uh, first off, last Elon 17 Musk. minutes, come on. <laughs> Elon Musk now owns 9.2% of Twitter after purchasing $2.89 billion in stock, according to the SEC, in a filing spotted by CNBC. Uh, this is, of course, after he has uh, been uh, complaining about their free speech policies, because, you know, sometimes you can't just yell fire in a crowded theater. But he does. And, mm -hmm. you know, well, you can if there's fire. Files. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so there you go the pedo guy that's right the pedo guy so now he is twitter <laughs> he is now the platform's largest single shareholder and twitter shares have reportedly uh, responded well to this surging more than 25 percent in pre-market trading when this happened and of course it didn't end there as soon as that happened uh twitter had to respond somehow so they did so by appointing musk to the company's board of directors right He'll be of value as both a passionate believer and intense critic of the social network, according to Chief Executive Parag Agrawal. You always want an intense critic on your own board. Makes sense. But here's the thing about the CEO position is now he can't actually outright buy the company. He is locked in. He can't buy more than 14.9%. Yes. So by putting him on the board, like, they actually, that was a good chess move on Twitter's part because it stops yep. them from doing anything else. <laughs> yeah. He can't actually own the entire thing. Just a chunk of it. So yes. or even if he goes up to the 14.9, that's still, you know, not an insignificant amount of Twitter to own. Yeah. 
So I like this a little bit at the end. It's too soon to say how much influence Musk will have as a director. However, he recently did put up a poll asking if users want an edit button. And lo and behold, Twitter is now confirming it's going to test an edit button. <laughs> now, they did say they've been doing this for a while, and it's not because of Elon's poll. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> I'm sorry, misinformation. No, <laughs> misinformation. <clears throat> yes, they did say they've been working on it for a while. And I do particularly, I have to give Facebook a score. I very rarely do. I very rarely do, but here we go. Meta CTO Andrew Boz Bosworth weighed in on the idea of an edit button, claiming that Facebook had already solved issues around potential misuse. You just include an indicator that has been edited along with a change log. If you're really worried about embeds, they can point to a specific revision in that history, but with a link to the latest edit. Not a real issue. Fair point. Fair point. Very fair point. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of engineering for embeds to to make that happen, for sure. If only these companies had a lot of engineers to call yeah, on. Yeah, I don't even know. Does Twitter really have that many engineers anymore? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. I mean, we've seen the features come out of there. It's like, seriously, is anybody even home anymore? They did figure out how to know. charge. Twitter Blue, that's about it. They, yeah, that's right. They do get my $2.99 a month. So <laughs> there is that, I guess. Um my buddy Kevin Marks had a had a blog post yesterday. I guess you call it a blog post. His site is such a mess; it's really hard to tell what's going on. <laughs> um, he was talking about how uh, Twitter has basically broken the social contract with tweet embeds, because in the old days we would always just copy and paste the content of the tweet or take a screenshot and put it in. So they're like, "Ho ho ho! Let us give you a mechanism that will actually, you know." fail gracefully and and give you the proper uh tweet information as it becomes available blah 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 um mm -hmm. so everybody use the tweet embeds and now they're breaking tweet embeds on tweets that people have deleted yes not giving them anything that is basically giving them a blank box and kevin marks kind of pointed this out in his post which kind of has made it through the the news cycle and uh it's it's kind of lame on how how twitter's handling this but they did come back and say yeah we're working on it <laughs> Derp. I don't know. I mean, how do you fall on that? I think if you delete a tweet, it should disappear from the rest of the web. Well, I think what they need to do with the with the embeds, at least, that, to come back and say this tweet has been deleted. Oh, yeah. Instead definitely. of just breaking your page. I mean, that's really yes. kind of it. Uh, again, going back to how we would build things back in the day. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> that nobody seems to think about anymore. Yeah. I didn't even go look. It's like I should have looked to see what happened with all of the, the Trump tweet embeds, if those stayed or not, because... Public record. His his account wasn't technically deleted. Well, he was banned, but I'm mm -hmm. guessing everything is still locked away because it is the president and, you know, record keeping and stuff like that. One so, would think. One would think, but things have been <laughs> a little different than one would think lately. Think? Uh, it was interesting, though. In, yeah, really. <laughs> I was checking out uh, Kevin Marks' site because I was trying to figure out what was going on because they called him an indie web developer. I'm like, indie web? What the fuck's that? So I went and checked it out. And the indie web is a community of individual personal websites connected by simple standards based on the principles of owning your domain, using it as your primary identity to publish your own site, optionally syndicate elsewhere and own your data. Basically shit that we did a lot in the early 2000s yeah. and late 90s. So, with, I mean, microformats yeah. came out of that. WordPress. Uh Kinda, kinda. Yeah, you can use <laughs> WordPress, but um, as long as you, it's it's about owning your domain and your own data and all that shit. Yeah, this is like an old school thing that just doesn't fly anymore. Just give, I can't believe they're still doing it. I cannot believe they're still doing it. We used to go to microformats meetups. Now they're doing indie web meetups. Go look at the pictures of the people that show up. There's like four people that show up. I'm like, come on, guys, that windmill is a little big. You're not gonna, you're not gonna win. <laughs> but all right, whatevs. and then my uh, biggest jaw drop of the week um talk about being self-aware far too late for it to make any difference whatsoever uh twitter founder jack dorsey would like you to know that he too misses the early days of the internet when protocols like irc made the web seem like a place of boundless possibilities he also knows he's partly to blame for the current state of things yes the days of usenet irc the web even email with pgp were amazing dorsey said on saturday in a tweet centralizing discovery and identity into corporations really damaged the internet i realize i'm partially to blame and regret it also it made me stinking rich uh i'm gonna go feel bad while i swim in a pool of hundred dollar bills see you later god this guy could be more of a douche if he tried This episode is brought to you by Delete Me. Today, I want to share something personal and honestly a bit alarming. 
On this show, we often discuss the vast amount of personal info floating around out there. We're talking home addresses, contact details, and even information about your family. If you've ever felt that uneasy feeling about your privacy, you're definitely not alone. That's why I need to tell you about Delete Me. It's been a game changer for me in protecting my personal information. As someone who's been bombarded with spam calls and phishing attempts, discovering Delete Me was like finding a magic shield. Here's a really frustrating fact. The amount of personal data available online has tripled from 2019 to 2023. With rising political tensions, your political views could expose you to cybercrimes, identity theft, or even violence. Angry people fueled by their beliefs can access your data from data brokers that cover 98% of U.S. citizens, putting you at risk of harassment, identity theft, or worse. But there's good news. Delete Me works tirelessly to safeguard your data. They scour the internet, finding and removing your personal information from some of the largest data brokers in the world. And they don't just do it once, they continuously monitor to ensure your info stays private. I signed up and provided details on what I wanted removed, and the team at Delete Me took it from there. They keep me updated with regular reports, showing me where my information was popping up and confirming when it was deleted. Seeing their commitment to protecting my privacy has truly been a relief. Now, here's something special for all of you. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan today when you go to joindeleteme.com slash GOG and use promo code GOG at checkout. The only way to get that 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash GOG and enter code GOG at checkout. That's J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash G-O-G with code G-O-G at checkout. Are you hungry? I am. Which means it's a perfect time to talk about Factor. Why not make your spring a breeze with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals? Picture this. Every meal is fresh, never frozen, crafted by top chefs, and has the dietitian's thumbs up. Plus, they're ready to roll in just two minutes. You've got 35 mouth-watering options to choose from each week. Whether you're into calorie-smart, keto, ramping up your protein, or keeping it green with vegan and veggie, Factors got you covered. And there's more. Each week brings over 60 extras, including breakfast, grab-and-go lunches, snacks, and drinks to keep your energy up and your taste buds happy all day. So, what's the holdup? Dive in today and give your spring the tasty kickstart it deserves. As someone who's lived off microwave meals for most of his life, I can confidently say that Factor's chef-crafted dishes blow anything else I've had out of the water. The chicken stays juicy, the veggies are crisp, and the flavors are absolutely delicious. I'm talking about meals like their artichoke and spinach chicken and the spicy poblano beef bowl out of this world. Are you craving a touch of gourmet? Well, check out the meals featuring luxury ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. It's fancy dining without the fuss. And speaking of no fuss, the meals are a total breeze. Forget about prepping, cooking, and cleaning. Just heat up your meal and enjoy the deliciousness. Plus, everything's tailored to fit your life. Customize your weekly meal plan to get exactly what you need whenever you need it. Need to pause or shift your deliveries? No problem. It's all designed to work around your schedule. Factor is your solution for fast, premium meals without the need for cooking. And Factor is celebrating Earth Day all month long. Look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for the lowest carbon footprint meals. Head to factormeals.com slash grumpy50 and use code grumpy50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code grumpy50 at factormeals.com slash grumpy50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Everyone needs a world-class VPN. Grumpy Old Geeks recommends private internet access to protect your online privacy and identity. Private Internet Access never keeps any records of their users' online activities, so you can be assured that you have complete privacy and nobody knows what you're doing online. No matter your technical skills, Private Internet Access is one of the easiest VPN apps out there. All it takes to connect is just one click or tap and your data will be encrypted instantly. 
With just one private internet access VPN subscription, you can connect up to 10 devices at the same time. Go to GOG.show slash VPN and sign up today. For a limited time only, you can get our favorite VPN for just $2.69 a month when you sign up for two years. GOG.show slash VPN. That's GOG.show slash VPN. This episode is brought to you by Delete Me. Today, I want to share something personal and honestly a bit alarming. Now, on this show, we talk a lot about how much of our personal info is out there. We're talking about home addresses, contact details, and even information about your family. And if you've ever felt that uneasy feeling about your privacy, you're not alone. That's why I want to tell you about Delete Me. It's a game changer for protecting your personal information. As someone who's been through the ringer with spam calls and phishing attempts, finding Delete Me felt like a breath of fresh air. Could your potential views expose you to cyber crimes, identity theft, or even violence in this election year? The amount of personal data available online has tripled from 2019 to 2023. Angry individuals motivated by their political beliefs can now easily access personal details from data brokers for 98% of U.S. citizens, putting you at risk of harassment and identity theft. Fortunately, you can safeguard your data with Delete Me. Delete Me scours the internet, finding and removing you and your family's personal data from hundreds of data broker websites. And they don't just do it once, they monitor your information to ensure that it stays private. I signed up and provided the specifics on what I wanted to go, and the team at Delete Me took it from there. They keep me in the loop with regular updates, showing exactly where my info was popping up and confirming when it was removed. Seeing how dedicated they are to protecting my privacy is a relief. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now available at a special discount for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan today when you go to joindeleteme.com slash G-O-G and use promo code G-O-G at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash G-O-G and enter code G-O-G at checkout. One more time, that's J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash G-O-G with code G-O-G at checkout. Media Candy. Moonfall. It's a movie. It's got a big budget. <laughs> it's got a big budget. It's got some big stars. Didn't know anything about it, so I was kind of hoping I'm going to go into this like I went into The Matrix. No idea what this is about whatsoever. Did not read any reviews. Did nothing with about it. Just, okay, the moon breaks up. I like that bit of the story from Seven Eves and by Neil Stevenson. This seems to be, they must have read it. Because this seems to be kind of it. Okay. This is the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Really? That good? It's friggin' horrible. It's okay. horrible. There's no redeeming features whatsoever. Even something like this, you would think the special effects. Okay, at least the special effects are going to be mind-blowing. Could have been watching a movie from 20 years ago. That's how good really? that is. Really? Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're, you're piquing my interest now. <laughs> It's a mishmash of every crap, stupid sci-fi trope that's been done to death a thousand times. You even end up with kind of the AI aliens that look exactly like the robots that come after you in the Matrix in the bad one. Are you sure you're not talking about Picard season three? We can transition to that if you'd like. (laughs) No, no, no. It just sounds it sounds exactly the same as Picard season three or because season two, two. season two. I, I have season three news coming up next. Okay, okay, I don't okay, really yeah. have anything else other than don't waste your time. It's horrible. Okay. It's not it's not even bad horrible. Uh, I, it's one at one point I was kind of going, well, if the Mystery Science Theater 3000 guys showed up and started making fun of this, maybe I'd watch it and then I went, no. No, I wouldn't. No, bummer. Okay. Yeah, it's absolutely horrible. Now, speaking of Star Trek Picard season 3, we've gotten some news about this. The entire asterisk principal cast of Star Trek The Next Generation will appear on the third and final season of Picard. We were getting back Jonathan Frakes, Marina Sirtis, Brett Spiner, who have already been on there. LeVar Burton, Gates McFadden, and Michael Dorn will be joining. Where's Will? Yep. (laughs) No Will. (laughs) Even though he's hosting all the after shows and he's talking to everybody and he's certainly in there in Star Trek land. No Will. That's awesome. Oh, poor guy. I actually think it's hilarious. (laughs) It is funny as hell, but I, Look, I, I feel I bad. I don't really care. 
I don't. I don't care. I don't want to see his character. No offense That's to true. him. I think he's great. I have no interest in his character coming back, wearing a sweater and being all powerful. Not I into know. It. Uh, oh, that's right. That's right. He's all. Uh, I forgot about. Remember how, how they got le- him off yeah, the show left. with the traveler or whatever? Yeah. Or what? No thanks. Uh, okay. <laughs> the latest Star Trek: Strange New Worlds trailer is out, and as the uh, article says, promises a return to form. Did you get a chance to watch this? Uh, I can't remember. Stroke. This is about two minutes, and it just came out a couple days ago. So you probably haven't seen it yet. You should go watch this. Uh, As they point out here, for those who have become weary of the franchise's more dark tone, I would say more emotional and woke tone, during the Alex Kurtzman (laughs) era, Strange New Worlds looks like a return to the relentless optimism and romanticism put forward by creator Gene Roddenberry. I watched this trailer, and uh, the the Star Trek uh, original vibes are strong. It's good. Okay. A little too much making out for Spock. Okay, well, get some, boy. He is. (laughs) Pun far. He's he's getting a lot in this trailer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. And uh, Dan sent this in. For fuck's sake, Star Trek gets into NFTs. Yeah, Dan beat me to this. (laughs) Star Trek announced the creation of Star Trek Continuum, a part of Paramount's new NFT platform. They state that the project is accessible to anyone with 250 bucks to throw around and allows another expression of fandom by giving us their money. No, thanks. And they say there will never be any more of these designs created and the minting window will only be open for 24 hours. Except for the fact that they're calling this season zero and the platform will be used for future seasons of Star Trek NFTs, which it won't because the blowback has been strong on this one. Yeah. (laughs) Seems like Trekkies do not like the NFTs. No. No, Oh, that's it. That's what NFT stands for. Not for Trekkies. Yep. Agreed. Ooh, that's a good title. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and in good news and something that we all need, uh, it has been announced that Somebody Feed Phil's Season 5 will be out on May 25th. Very exciting. It's only five episodes, unfortunately, so far, I think. Hopefully it's going to be more than that, but it looks like it's just five that they've announced. It's something. It's something. Security? Ha! Joining us today is Dave Bittner. Dave is the host of the Cyberware podcast, co-host of the social engineering podcast, Hacking Humans with Joe Kerrigan. And finally, he's the co-host of Caveat with Ben Yellen, where they discuss law and policy and surveillance and privacy. Good day to you, Dave. Hello, gents. Living the dream here on the beautiful east coast of the United States. I know what you're most excited about, uh, Dave. The (laughs) The Baltimore Orioles season starts. Yeah, yes, indeed. It is opening day day today. And uh, I, you know, I do enjoy going to the ballpark. I have not been to the ballpark in a long time. And Baltimore has a beautiful ballpark. Mm -hmm. Um, I understand that uh, the sports ball people have moved the left field fence back uh, in our ballpark. And I'm because you were hitting way too many home runs, the Orioles. Well, this is too easy for those Baltimoreans. Well, the thing I've seen from people who care about these things, and and I think Ben Yellen is probably the top of my list of of, uh, close friends who watch these sorts of things closely, um, they seem to be indicating that they moved that left field wall back for one particular opposing player. I don't know who that would be, (laughs) but whatever it takes to get a couple more W's up (laughs) on the scoreboard, right? Like they're going to be starting putting Sandlot rules in place and... I, I will like that, I will but. tell you I was looking at the Vegas odds for the Orioles and thinking of you. Mm. Uh, the mm-hmm. lowest chance of 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 winning the World Series or even making it to the World Series of any team in baseball. Yet hmm. uh, they are getting a, a disproportionate amount of people betting on them, which I guess is just you know go for the big win, I suppose. Or I guess or so. strong yeah. is in. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, see, but. I grew up around here as a Baltimore Orioles fan, and my father and mother both grew up in Baltimore. My dad grew up across the street from the stadium. He used to, you know, sell newspapers in the stadium, jump the jump the fence, and mm-hmm. go in old old Baltimore um, Memorial Stadium, and. Um, you know, back then we had Cal Ripken Jr. and we had Eddie Murray and we won World Series and we had a good team and there were things <laughs> to be excited about. But goodness, it's been a while. It has been. But, uh, you know, you never yeah. know. It's a, it's a game. Yeah, hopefully I'll know. get out there. I haven't been haven't been in a couple years. So, uh, you know, maybe this is the time 
maybe we can find a, a, a COVID valley and, and head out to the ballpark. <laughs> yeah. I, I, gee, I hope I'll be able to get tickets. My relation to baseball and COVID is pretty strong. The very last family trip we took before lockdown was we went out to Arizona to see a Dodger spring training game. Uh, one of the first games that Mookie Betts played with the Dodgers. And uh, immediately after wow. that, you know, that whole season was was either postponed and then, you know, no fans. And uh, now that COVID is waning, as it were, I'm quite looking forward to going to a Blue Jays game here. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I suppose one of the nice things about going to a Baltimore's, Baltimore Orioles game is that it's not hard to, to do social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be near anyone. <laughs> You could have your own section, probably. Yeah, you could probably even have your own base if you wanted. That's true. Here's third you base. Probably, We're not going to need it. Yeah, just stand at you home. Nobody's ever going to get there. <laughs> right. Just, I'll just stand next to the umpire. No one will. There's no one's keeping track. Sure. So I got one little story here uh, about wise. Wise cameras. These are these cheap little thirty dollars security cameras. How many of them did you IoT? have? Zero. <laughs> All of okay. them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This whole article is about me. I wouldn't update them. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's stock hardware, some basic in-house software. And apparently these things were open to the world for like three years. They knew it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's the S in IoT is security still. Mm-hmm. And we see these things and it just gets worse and worse as time goes on because these old devices that are cheap – you know, either the companies die or they just don't care anymore because they already sold you the cameras and they want to sell you some new ones. They just don't patch old stuff. There's no update, you know, path for anybody. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. these things are just everywhere. And I think this is going to continue. Now, was with this one, did you did they did they actually have to have physical access to the device to to get it or not? I can't remember. I believe this one was physical access. Okay, so Maybe. I mean that cuts down the likelihood of it quite a bit, but still, um, not what you. It's hope interesting for. that the. The folks from Bitdefender held off on on disclosing this, um, and obviously, you know, Bitdefender they're they're all about uh, responsible disclosure, a company on the up and up for sure. But mm-hmm. um, you know, you a lot of time, like um, Joe Kerrigan always talks about, he's the person at Hopkins who's responsible for responsible disclosure. <laughs> when one of their researchers or students finds something, it's his job to go inform the the uh, the parties that. Hey, the clock is ticking. You've got ninety days uh, to to do something, or we will disclose this. Mm. Uh, most of the time, he hears nothing back. I, I believe, right? So, yeah, yeah. It's interesting that they didn't do that. Say, hey, we're giving you ninety days here. But you know, the other thing this this makes me think about is that when it comes to uh, IoT devices, but I think technology. In particular, since we are in the era where everything is software rather than hardware, Mm -hmm. that old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, just doesn't apply anymore because something could be running for five years, for 10 years, and then at some point in its life, someone discovers a new vulnerability that wasn't previously known. Yeah. And so what was secure is no longer secure. Yeah. There's no, you can't set it and forget it anymore. That doesn't exist. No. Yeah. No. No, I think part of any, certainly any organization, any, um, you know, a a corporation's budget should include uh, just turning these things over on some sort of regular schedule. Your your security cameras, all those sorts of things need to be updated regularly just for this very reason. I wonder how many convenience stores and gas stations across the United States have an old XP box in the back, barely patched, probably, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. version with like... Is the basic version running their entire security camera system that has been going for you know twenty years? Oh yeah, still no, still and, runs an ultra you know. slow mo uh, SVHS deck back there that you know. There's, oh yeah, there's, <laughs> there's there's BNC cable running and 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 you think res, yeah. uh, and you think yeah. where does one go to get a new VHS tape? But it, they've got one on their shelves covered in dust. So perfectly, it's the they're, they're the only place you'd go to get one anymore. Anyways, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, I still love going to CVS. They do have a bucket of dead media by their photo department that used to process film. And, you know, hmm. you can get your CDRs there. You can get your... I, the only thing I think you can't get there is a zip disk, I swear. Oh, zip disk. I was thinking of those the other day. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right. So we have a yeah. new breach. Uh, Block disclosed that a security breach involving a former employee, which has now impacted 8.2 million Cash App users. In an SEC filing, they reported that an ex-employee on December 10th downloaded a number of reports with customer information, including full names, brokerage account numbers, brokerage portfolio values, brokerage portfolio holdings, and reports of stock trading activity. They're saying it did not affect any aspect of Cash App except for the stock part stuff. And uh, this is a bit of a weird one. I, I just feel like they didn't do their due diligence. It's it's one thing if you have an active employee doing something on the inside. That's very difficult to block against. But ex-employee, did they not change passwords? Yeah. <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. yeah. But you hear about this all the time where somebody leaves and, and either – they're only partially cut off from from access or just somebody forgets something or uh, they got access to something along the way for a legitimate use, but then it was never revoked. You know, that's a big problem. This sort of thing has happened to me a lot in in my experience in in my world just as a developer and working with clients and things like that where, you know, I'll I'll be fired or I'll have quit and moved on to a different employer or a different client and – you know, I'll have all these FTP keys and access to servers and all of them, you know, occasionally I would just, I wonder if this still works. Should I delete this or get rid of it? And and I'll like mm-hmm. be able to log in because nobody's changed any passwords. Okay, fine. These are musicians. Oh, I don't really, <laughs> but, but this is block. <laughs> Known for their meticulous security. <laughs> there, there's a bit of a difference. I'm not surprised if I would still be able to get into Coldplay's FTP server, but block. <laughs> Brian, you and I had a had a talk about this topic on the show maybe 200 episodes ago at this point. But when I leave someplace, I have them turn everything off. I put it in writing what I have access to, and then I try and get back in. And if I can get back in, I tell them what to close. And I document the whole thing because I don't want them like a year and a half down the line to come back at me and say, oh, you know, we got hacked or something and this person still had access, go after them. Yeah. And then yeah. I get blamed for something because they were too lazy to turn off my access. Oh, very you sensible. So yeah. I, I'm very proactive yeah. about making sure that I cannot get anywhere near your stuff <laughs> if uh, we part ways. Yeah. Very it's, smart. Uh, something I remind my wife about, she does some development work herself, uh, you know, website stuff. And um and I remind her because she does the same thing. She goes, you know, every now and then she'll say, "Gee, I wonder if so and so ever changed their password." Or you know, she'll, <laughs> she'll she'll go log in. And to your point, Brian, typically it's uh, remarkable how few have. Yeah. Um, but I remind her that technically, even doing that <laughs> yeah. is a violation of the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. And there's there's a log. Yeah, um, but if they haven't changed their passwords, I doubt they know there's a log. But there is a log. <laughs> <laughs> there is yeah. a log. Yeah. No, and and um, someone did come after her once. This was probably about a decade ago. Uh, somebody, you know, she got a real uh, a nasty gram right. um, from somebody who, you know, she, and she wasn't out to do anything. She was just curious, mm-hmm. and 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 you know, so yeah, yeah. Jason, yeah. I think you you got the right uh, tactic here. Hundred percent, way to go. That is definitely the and way I, to go. And, yeah. and it. <laughs> It comes from having someone come after me too. So that's it comes from experience. So it's it's best to just just get it done. Yeah, get it done. Mm-hmm. It, you, you'll sleep better at night. Particularly if you're a developer, you any keys. fond of drinking whiskey around your computer late at night. You don't want keys. <laughs> right, right. This too, like, this too may have like, happened. Like de- I, I was just guessing about these circumstances, Jason. I'm yeah. just guessing. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. the developer version of drunk texting old girlfriends, right? <laughs> yeah, I wonder if I still have access to this band's FTP site. Oh. <laughs> yes. yes, the artist formerly known as Telnet may have been my first mm-hmm. uh, my first client problem. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Uh, so we talked about this issue before on a past security uh, episode where hackers were going in and white hatting people's computers and patching them for them when there was a known exploit. And right. now we have seen the FBI do this. And I'm sure that you guys have <laughs> talked about this this week on the Cyberwire, Dave. I, I just, this was big yeah. news, right? This is, this is, uh, at least the FBI is kind massive. of saying that this is the reason we have not been hit by anything so far from Russia in this little war that's going on. Yeah. 
Well, and I think uh, was it? I think it might have even just been yesterday that um, President Biden himself was kind of crowing about this. And I, I think part of this follows along with um, our intelligence community's approach to the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine, which is we've been unusually proactive with sharing the information we have, the intelligence that we have, and that has kept. Russia a bit on their heels when it comes to a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. because we've been saying, oh, they're going to do misinformation. And then Russia's like, damn, we can't do that misinformation. <laughs> you know? um, and so I think this is similar to that by saying, oh, all that malware that you all installed. Yeah, guess what? We removed it. So next. Um, so, it, you know, there's there's also um, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, it. it um, it discourages them, you know. It gets, it gets. It, what's the word for it that I'm looking for? When you, when um, deters, deters. No, but like puts them in a bad mood. Like um, makes them grumpy, grumpified, <laughs> makes them grumpy. Yeah, yeah. Boy, this is compelling podcast. Takes the wind out of their sails. <laughs> On, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody is screaming at their uh, their <laughs> their iPhone right now with the word that I'm looking for. On next week's edition of Dave tries to find the right word. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, yes, uh, yes. It, it fills them with despair <laughs> that they are unable to do the things that they want to do. Whatever the Russian word for despair is, that's what they have. Vodka. And, Dave um, is now the co-host of the Tip of Your Tongue podcast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, God, it's right there. 45 oh. minutes of... Um, no, it's not. Uh, it's close. I can just, it's I can a feeling it. I had oh. when I was a kid walking by the lake when I was 12. Oh, How do God. I put that? I know there's cinnamon. a German word Think for cinnamon. it. Think cinnamon. No, no. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> anyway, so. Well, that was productive. <laughs> well, but the others. So when I, like you guys probably, when I saw this story, uh, part of me was thinking, and on what authority did, did the FBI do this? Did you have a warrant for yeah. that? <laughs> like, I suppose you could say this is an issue of national security, but still, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Well, yeah, it's, you know. I should ask someone at the FBI. In our first two to 300 episodes, I think one of Jason's favorite, uh, favorite um, slogans was a slippery slope. And one does wonder. You know, okay, so you went mm-hmm. in and took out this particular malware, but what else would you maybe do, maybe, since you can obviously mm-hmm. get into everything? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there is your slippery slope, yep. but it's interesting. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure that people will be talking about this for quite some time because it's... I. I've been wondering if we've been doing this. I think I mentioned it the last time we had that discussion. Yeah. And now, now we have confirmation. And I honestly... Keep it up. Yeah. Fine by me. It's fine by because me. Because I was reading an article this morning about how uh, Microsoft is going to start using their anti-game cheat chips from the Xbox into next-generation hardware for um, their cybersecurity business, which is, I believe, a $15 billion cybersecurity division of Microsoft. Hmm. And when every time I hear that Microsoft has a cybersecurity division that is standalone to prevent cybersecurity attacks, I get angry. I get very, very angry because they're protecting people against their own product. And mm-hmm. they have to make an entire division to charge you separately to protect people against their own product. And I don't know what it is about that, but it just rubs me the wrong way. I'm with you. Back when Microsoft started buying up antivirus companies, I was like, yes. really? Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, I will admit that is my, my own bias of being a longtime Mac guy. So, you know, uh, we, we thought – I think we thought more darkly of Microsoft back in the day than we probably do today. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah, they get a much bigger past today. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's a different world. Yeah, yeah it is. But. So our government's also been pretty busy in other areas uh, this week. Uh, The Department of Justice has basically called, they're calling it the largest cryptocurrency civil forfeiture filing in U.S. history. Uh, The Southern District of Florida successfully seized around $34 million worth of coins and tokens from a seller on the dark web. So they they found a South Florida resident who used an online alias to sell more than 100,000 illicit items across marketplaces on the dark on the dark web. Um, The bulk of the sales is said to be hacked account info from a number of major services, including HBO, Netflix, Uber and others. So basically, you know, Netflix and chill. That's uh, 
This seems yeah. to be what the dark web is. I never would have guessed that in a million years that actually passwords for streaming networks is a big chunk of the dark web sales. But I mean, who are they selling to? Just people that have no friends? I, you know? right, Everybody's right, got a friend. Right. <laughs> yeah, it seems like small potatoes. Yeah, to me, I was I shocked. This, this case this this demonstrates volume 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 you can yeah i guess you can so make money doing it but you know what you also get though when you when you do that you get uh their home address and billing and like billing address so you do mm. get a little bit more info than just you know still need the movies. card number but i mean i guess i guess it sets up for targets for you know phishing i suppose well, once you once you have that account here here's another option it's uh, almost impossible to find places to test new cards so if you're a carter and you bought a batch of cards and you want to test if they're valid mm -hmm. you can use accounts like this change the card to that they do an initial ping on the card to make sure it's valid when you save it right so it mm. could be a way to test cards there's a lot you i think you can do with some of these accounts right. that are just throwaway mm -hmm. accounts if they're cheap enough I'm yeah, just putting the, the on other... my I'm putting on my evil Jason hat right. for a second. <laughs> <laughs> the one that fits your head oh so perfectly. Um, yes. I wonder also with this, you know, the 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 crypto bros, if I may use that term, uh, they always say one of the value propositions of of their love love for cryptocurrency is that it is out of reach of of governments and and well, uh, and we're seeing time and time again that's simply not the case. I was about to say as we've been saying on this show for about a year that's complete bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for for so eloquently <laughs> stating what I said in a roundabout way. Yes. <laughs> Brian, no, Bri Brian, it's it, it is complete misinformation. It is complete we misinformation. misinformation. <laughs> now remember. Exactly. Uh, and, and well, I mean, what's who's the genius? Oh, I'm sorry, his name is Satoshi Nakamoto. <laughs> Who said, okay, we want a completely anonymous currency that we track every minute instance of. And, you yeah. know, it's like, okay, let's, let's make it anonymous, but let's e let everybody watch. Look, if you, I, I, like, I understand if you jump through enough hoops and you never take anything out or put anything in, perhaps you can never be found. But at some point, if you follow that chain enough, there's an in and an out that can actually be connected to somebody in the real world. End of story. Right. Yep. So, well, and, and they don't necessarily even have to know who you are mm -hmm. to confiscate your goods. That's true. Here. Yeah. You confiscate you just your take crypto. it away. So, so. yeah, mm -hmm. just gone. That's it. Yep. And it's and it's the, right on there, right on the, there on the blockchain for everyone to see. <laughs> gone. Now belongs to the FBI. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, the dark web is having a pretty bad week. Uh, it wasn't just the U.S. government that uh, did some stuff going. The German federal police, the Bundeskriminalamt. Working with U.S. law enforcement has seized the, seized the Hydra market, which is billed as the world's largest and longest-serving dark web marketplace. Over two billion burgers sold. <laughs> uh, reportedly accounted for about 80% of all dark web-linked cryptocurrency transactions and taken about $5.2 billion in crypto, which is worth what now? Because it changes every five seconds. Since 2015, mm. and had roughly 17 million user accounts and 19,000 sellers. Uh, so, yeah, their dark web is a... Dark web ain't so dark anymore. That's that's for sure. Like mm -hmm. we see what's going on and we're going after people. Yeah. Well, and I think the irony is not lost on people that this is called the Hydra market. You mm -hmm. know, you cut off a head, you get you grow three more. Yeah. And uh so it'll be interesting to see what pops up to fill the void and at what point do the folks who are spinning these things up decide that it's just not worth it. Yeah. Well when the when the crypto keeps getting taken away from you, how much does it continue to be worth it, right? So the yeah. the money that you're making, which you may never have taken out into real money, is just being taken away. Poof, it's gone. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder what the what the market ramifications are of the FBI and the government in general, all governments in general who have seized Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> what what the market ramifications are for the governments holding huddling these coins for? At some point, the U.S. government's going to be but... going to own the highest amount of Bitcoin. One would imagine at this rate. Oh, my God. That's the whole thing. And then the Winklevies will be our new president. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's an interesting question. I wonder what they do with it. Would they would they be obligated at some point to auction it off? Yes. I know that they have some of the Silk Road coin. I know were, were auctioned off. I saw some of the paperwork on that. Um, hmm. But so they do get rid of it at, it in some cases. So it ends up back but, in circulation uh, for the most part, theoretically. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
so they can go get it again later. It's like it's it's basically like going Lackable. to a strip club. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. I'm sorry, how is it like going to a strip club? I was about to say you keep you keep giving go them on. back their own money. You just keep giving them back their own money. When, when did the like, stripper give you okay, money? You go to the ATM, you get some money, yeah. then you give it to them, and then you get some more money I'm, I'm from them. I'm curious about that part of the transaction. <laughs> Yeah. What do you yeah. wait wait what? When did the stripper give you the money Where's back? The part where you get Right. Oh, when you when you go to the ATM to get more from them that they just filled up with the money you just gave them. Oh, I so you're saying the ATM on location at the strip club. Yes. Cuz you can I watch see. them hand the money to the people right. and take the money and put it back in the ATM and then you get the money <laughs> back out of the ATM, then the money gives back to the girls and the girls go back to the ATM where you put your card in, get the money back and give it back to the girls. That's the Or so you've heard. <laughs> Yeah, so I've heard. So I've heard. <laughs> okay, very good. Well, my uh, last story for us this week, this comes from the Wall Street Journal. And um, at first blush, it, it appears to be a simple story about uh, Google taking down a bunch of apps from the Google Play Store, mm -hmm. a bunch of Android apps. A typical story that these uh, apps are harvesting data beyond what you think they would do. Um but there's more to this. It turns out that uh, the these apps had been paid by a company uh, called Measurement Systems mm -hmm. who paid the app developers to put some code in their apps mm -hmm. that tracks various bits of information. And it turns out that if you connect the dots, this Measurement Systems company is connected to a – defense contractor that does cyber intelligence, network defense, and intelligence intercept work for U.S. national security agencies. Uh -huh. hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, and they do I appear think, to be uh, targeting some specific groups. Yeah. Uh, Muslim prayer apps. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So there's that. They seem to be particularly interested in uh, apps that were popular in the Middle East. Yep. Um. Other interesting uh, thing in this story that caught my eye, one of the companies was called Vostrom Holdings. Um, and at the moment when these reporters or these researchers started to dig in and started asking questions to Vostrom Holdings, uh, the company was dissolved. That was fast. Hmm. The very same week. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's one way to avoid lawsuits. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I, I you know, I look on the one hand, not surprising that U.S. intelligence agencies do this sort of thing. Um, I think it's interesting that one of the things these researchers did was report their findings to the Federal Trade Commission. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what they're going to be able to do against the intelligence community, but perhaps, and since you know the U.S. doesn't have a federal version of GDPR to protect us from these sorts of things. I suspect anyone who downloaded these apps clicked on the EULA and said, sure, whatever, take it all. And that was <laughs> Thanks, that. Thanks, we will. But um, <laughs> yep. they will and they did. Yes. Um, and currently these apps are being translated into Russian. Yeah. I don't know what – I don't know what to do about this. I, I suppose uh, stay away from Android? these apps. But it, it – <laughs> well, that is a good that's that's a good point. I mean, this was Android only, but it's not to say that it's not on. I'm sure these are all over iOS too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would think so. And if you actually go and look at the research, the developers here did a lot of uh, work to obfuscate the code and mm -hmm. try to you know prevent people from knowing what they were doing, where it was going, who it was being sent to. And these researchers did a great job of reversing it and figuring it all out. Yeah. Um. So. I don't know. I, you know, these, that's, as long as this is within bounds of you click the EULA, we can do whatever we want. And you have third parties paying app developers to put this code in their apps to gather whatever they want. I mean, these apps were reaching out to your local home network yeah. to find out, to pull all the devices on your local home network to see, oh, what else is around here? See, I see you're an Android user. What else do you have on your home network? Oh, isn't that interesting? What's your IP address? All that kind of stuff. I see you have a wise camera. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, a, another uh, point that the, the, uh, the research makes is that um, because it was going through your phone, 
your phone is basically inside the firewall, right? It's inside the moat mm-hmm. of your home mm-hmm. where you're trying to keep things out of your home network. Well, your phone is a trusted device within your home network. So when your phone reaches out to the other devices in your home network, they say, oh, okay, you're inside the moat. No problem. Here's who I am. Here's what I am. And Bob's your uncle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole contractor thing that really rankles. I mean, I understand why the government would go through a defense contractor instead of doing it themselves, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's, it doesn't feel good, right? Like, I don't know what to do about it, but I know it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Now, what, here's the thing. Really, that it, it, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, what really bugs me is when you have clear cases, and I'm not saying this is one of them, but there have been clear cases where they go through third parties so as to not have to get a warrant. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that should be out of bounds. Yeah. You know, I, as angry as this stuff kind of makes me, it, I, 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 I am just as angry at myself because I feel the hypocrisy in me saying, why am I actually more angry at the government for using the system to protect us than I am for Facebook for doing it to sell me shoes. Um, <laughs> you know, cause Facebook does exactly the same thing. All of these, all of the data brokers do the, exactly the same thing. Government's just buying it, using it theoretically to protect us and our natural national interests. Why does that make me mad when they, when they're, you know, at the root, you, you, you want to assume that they're doing a good thing for us as citizens. <clears throat> yeah. And then I look at companies that do it and I pay them money most of the time for the gadgets that let them take the exact information that the government's doing. And I don't get why well, I give them well, money to. I, I'm taxes, much more angry at just, Facebook. I, I, I just feel uneasy about this, the way the government is approaching this, but I don't know if I just, I don't have a solution. I don't have a way that I think would be okay. I'm not I'm not angry at the government like I am at Facebook, just to be clear. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean to me there's obviously the fourth amendment issues here of uh, well, you know, in the virtual world welcoming the government in your house to have a look around. You know, we yeah, we are protected against that and this is kind of a workaround and so until we have some sort of federal protection or we get more of these cases, more of these cases make their way to the Supreme Court so they get settled. Um, so we have some clarity here. I, this is the world we're going to be in for a while. Yeah. Yay. And on that happy note. <laughs> Go Orioles. Chat with you gents next time. <laughs> Closing shout out. Over at Patreon, we've got Ryan and Derek. Welcome to the club. Thank you. And PayPal, we've got Nikolai, Thomas, Nicola, Melissa, Shaleen, David, Breed, and Mark, who gave us 50 bucks and said, love the show. Thank you for both being awesome and grumpy. Well, thank you all, and especially Mark. Over at Stripe, we've got Mario, Matthew, Linda with a Y, and Lee. Thank you, thank you. And we have a new five-star rating from Philip Wilkinson. Minimal fluff and filler. I finally found a show that shares the same views and opinions, taking on the internet news with real candor and snarkiness. Brilliant. Minimal fluff and filler. Perfect. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, Philip Wilkinson. Until next time, I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schellmeister. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. If you enjoy the show, visit GOG.show slash donate to help us keep the lights on and we'll love you forever. You can also help us out by sharing the show with your friends and enemies. It's easy and absolutely free. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 548. And there you can find links to everything we talked about in this episode, as well as links to our swag and Discord channel, which is still growing amazingly. If you want to buy some stuff or chat with us and other show fans, you can also head over to GOG.show slash contact and send us your feedback or questions we can read on the air. And if you're so inclined, please head over to GOG.show slash review and toss us a snarky review and preferably five stars. Stay grumpy.